Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is July 15th. Today we are going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block and study Alma chapter 33. Now I am so excited about this because there is a scripture block in this chapter that has changed the way I think about the atonement of Jesus Christ. It has helped me make better use of the atonement and the grace and mercy of my Savior. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about Alma's teaching from chapter 32. Now, yesterday we talked about what an incredible teacher Alma was, this gift and talent that he had to teach where he could take such an abstract concept like faith and turn it into something tangible that the people could understand, and that they could feel and experience for themselves. Now, I truly believe that one of the greatest evidences of a fantastic teacher or a fantastic lesson is that when it's all over, you sit and you think, wow, okay, what do I need to do? How do I apply that? How do I obtain what they were just talking about? We see that with Aaron and the father of King Lamoni, if you'll remember. Aaron teaches him about God. He teaches him about the plan of salvation and eternal life. And the father of King Lamoni had his mind blown, right? And he said, what do I need to do so that I can obtain this eternal life that you've taught me about? Aaron teaches and he teaches in such a powerful way that it leaves the father of King Lamoni saying, okay, what do I need to do? Sign me up. I am all in. I'm going to make a change. And that is exactly what great teaching should do. It should leave us asking, okay, what am I going to do about that? What change am I going to make? How am I going to apply it? Now, as we begin Alma chapter 33 here, that is exactly what we see from the Zoramites. Alma finishes teaching them, and then look at what they say to him. Verse 1, it says, Now, after Alma had spoken these words, they sent forth unto him, desiring to know whether they should believe in one God, that they might obtain this fruit of which he had spoken or how they should plant the seed, or the word of which he had spoken, which he said must be planted in their hearts, or in what manner they should begin to exercise their faith. So Alma finishes teaching about the seed and faith, and they respond by saying, okay, what should we do to plant the seed or the word in our hearts? How do we do that? And how do we begin to exercise faith in the way that you have taught us to do? What do we do? How do we do it? What changes do we need to make? So this incredible discourse that Alma teaches in Alma 32 leads to a change of heart. It leads to a change of desire and a change of action among the Zoramites. So Alma begins to teach them about prayer. If you'll remember, the Zoramites believed that they had to be praying in a synagogue. They would go up on the Remiemptum. They would recite a prayer that was the same for every single one of them. And then they would leave and they would never even think about God again for the rest of the week. These Zoramites in particular are sad because they've been kicked out of their synagogue, so they feel like they can't pray. But Alma begins to teach them that they can pray anywhere. They can pray in their fields. They can pray in their closets. And not only does he say pray, but he says cry. Cry unto him in your fields. Cry unto him in your closets. I love that distinction there because in their minds, they're thinking prayer is this recited thing that has to be said in a certain place. And Alma's teaching them, no, you can cry unto the Lord the desires of your heart at any time and anywhere. But then he goes on and he teaches them 
about the Savior. He explains that there are prophets who have testified that the Savior would come. And in verse 18, he says, But behold, this is not all. These are not the only ones who have spoken concerning the Son of God. Behold, he was spoken of by Moses. Yea, and behold, a type was raised up in the wilderness, that whosoever would look upon it might live. And many did look and live, but few understood the meaning of these things. And this because of the hardness of their hearts. But there were many who were so hardened that they would not look. Therefore they perished. Now the reason they would not look is because they did not believe that it would heal them. Nephi teaches about this same story in 1 Nephi chapter 17, verse 31, where he says, He prepared a way that they might be healed, and the labor which they had to perform was to look. And because of the simpleness of the way, or the easiness of it, there were many who perished. Now I love that Alma gives a little more understanding to why they wouldn't look. It says, first of all, they didn't understand. They didn't understand that that brass serpent was a type or a shadow or a symbol of Jesus Christ. They had hardened their hearts, and because they hardened their hearts, they didn't understand it. And just because they didn't understand it, they decided that they weren't going to do it. And then at the end of verse 20, it says, Now the reason that they would not look is because they didn't believe that it would heal them. So let's relate this to our day a little bit more. Keep in mind, the children of Israel camped in groups. They were close together. There was no social distancing happening in the camp of the children of Israel. Lots of people and in very tight groups. So if someone was bit, they would have known about it. If someone had died from a snake bite, they would have known. If someone had looked at the brass serpent and been healed, they would have heard about it. So let's put this into our realm, our day. Imagine this is happening in your ward or your stake. If someone was bit, would you hear about it? Absolutely. You probably would have brought in casseroles to help feed them while they were sick. (laughs) If someone had died, would you know about it? Of course, you would have been preparing funeral potatoes like nobody's business. You would have taken care of it. You would have known. If someone had looked to the brass serpent and been healed, would you know? I believe yes. I think that we would have fast and testimony meetings filled with stories of people saying, you guys, look at the brass serpent. It works. I was bit. I was hurt. I was sick. And I looked and here I am healed. You would have heard stories. These children of Israel would have known. They would have known people who were bit. They would have known people who died. They would have known people who were healed. But as it says in that last part, they didn't believe that it would heal them. Maybe they thought that their bite was worse than everyone else's. Maybe they thought that they were too sick. Now, my friends, let's put this in the context of what it's actually speaking about. The brass serpent is a symbol for Christ. And how often do we treat Christ's atonement and his grace like they treated that brass serpent? Oftentimes when we read verse 20, we say, now the reason that they would not look is because they didn't believe that it would heal them. But I like to read it like this. They didn't believe that it could heal them. For everyone else, that's great. It worked for you. I'm glad that your bite wasn't as bad as mine. I'm glad you're not as sick as I am. So glad that it works for you. But I can't believe that it will heal me. Why would it? Why would the brass serpent heal me? My bite is too bad. 
I'm too sick. And oftentimes we treat the atonement of Jesus Christ like that. My weaknesses are too great for grace to strengthen me. I've sinned too much for the atonement of Jesus Christ to heal me. My friends do not believe that lie of the adversary. Elder Holland said, However late you think you are, however many chances you may have missed, however many mistakes you feel you have made or talents you think you don't have, or however far from home and family and God you feel you have traveled, I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of divine love. It is not possible for you to sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines. My friends, there is no one listening to this podcast right now who is outside the reaches of the atonement. There is no weakness you may have that his grace cannot strengthen. There is no forgiveness that you need to extend that his atonement can't help you with. And there is no mistake and no sin so great that the atonement of Jesus Christ cannot heal you. I think oftentimes because we speak of the infinite atonement and the greatness of the atonement and the eternal nature of the atonement, it's easy to think of the atonement and of grace as this all-encompassing gift to mankind, which it is absolutely 100%. But I think because we think of it that way so often, sometimes we overlook that it was Christ's magnificent, eternal, and infinite gift to you. My friends, the atonement of Jesus Christ is real. He suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane for you. He allowed himself to be taken and crucified on a cross for you. And he rose on that third day to triumph over death for you because he loves you and because he understands your worth. No matter the pain or the sorrow or the weakness or the sadness or the sickness or the sin that you are experiencing right now or that you have experienced or that you will experience, Jesus Christ can heal you personally, individually, as if you were the only one. Believe that. Trust that. Allow him to testify to you of that truth, and let him heal you. Thank you so much for listening today. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.